Hey guys, I'm Nikki. And I'm Stacy. And we're your host of Murder Shows and Comfy Clothes. Again, no yeah. Heather. Um, Lucky. Again, in Florida. So this is now the second one <laughs> that she is not here for. Um, we missed you guys our last one. There was some um, fixing going on at the studio, and we just weren't very happy with the... Um, Zoom one we did yeah. last time. It, I mean, it did what we needed it to do, but... I like that we were able to add the clips in there, though. Yeah, so that was cool. That was something that was cool. different. If we, we could liked. definitely get it to where the volume quality was better, yep. then For it's sure. definitely something we'll work towards, because obviously there's going to be a few times where we probably can't make it to the studio sometimes. Um, but... You want to go ahead and just do the disclaimer yeah, first? let's okay. jump into that. All right. So we're not all experts nor detectives... All the info in today's episode is public knowledge and personal opinions. They are in no reflection of Loco Network or any affiliated sponsor. We talk murder and have foul mouths, so listeners' discretion is highly advised. All right. <laughs> Sounded professional. Yes, fancy. Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've had a really, really long weekend, so my brain is like fog, and I'm probably going to stumble a lot. Um, I've had a bachelorette party, a wedding. Shout out to the Wades. Um, so, yeah, I'm here, but I'm not going to lie. I'm still struggling on a Monday. I think this is probably the least prepared we've ever been for yes one. and you know heather's not here but i do want to give her a huge shout out because honestly y'all if it wasn't for her i would not have no damn research <laughs> this woman has sent me all the research for this episode so shout out to her even Absolutely. though she did she's not here she definitely showed up and showed out for us it's real easy when you're laying on a beach I know. <laughs> Ugh, i'm so jealous um so today we're gonna go Serial. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> today we're gonna go uh, serial killers. Um, we we're gonna stick to Missouri still. Okay. Obviously, because that's what we want to try I mean, to we do. Got, we got a lot going on. We in got Missouri. a lot going on. Um, but yeah, serial killers. Like it's the hot new fad right now. Absolutely. Netflix, Hulu, everywhere, everywhere. Yes. Um, and I I don't know. Everybody's always like. Sometimes you know you feel weird. Like oh, I'm researching all this stuff, but. For me, it's like the it's attraction. Interesting. Yeah, it's like the attraction of how are these people capable of what they're doing. And one thing I'm noticing, like especially today when we dive in, makes you go: Is a lot of it genetics, or is it you know nature versus nurture? Yeah. They're saying they're rather you know genetically, or is it what you're raised around now? Now this though I do where as to what you're saying there, the crime I think is the nature nurture thing, mm -hmm. but the serial now becomes a mental. So even though he had all this thing, these things in his family and in his life, he was the particular serial killer. His family was murderers and everything like that, which we're definitely going to dive into. <laughs> Buckle up because it's a oh, wild one. It's a wild one. Um, but you know the mental state for him, I think, is what made him a serial killer. Yeah. Um, versus, well, you know, see, okay, devil's advocate here, because how is it not the nurture when that's what he knew? You know, I mean, you're talking 17, 19 yeah. years old, seeing things, and then that's how right family dealt with it. That's true. That's true. 
And it, yeah, it just makes you, and again, it brings you back to the interesting factor of where did it all go wrong? Exactly. Like, where did it all go wrong? Um, and does the lifestyle, yeah. the, the level that you're living at, money-wise, you know, just the area, mm -hmm. I all of it all of it plays in, especially in this story. Today. Yes, for sure. Um, but again, serial killers are in every state. Um, I mean, they're found everywhere. A lot of them have been, you know, big names. We got our Ted Bundy's. We got our, you know, we have, like I said, on Netflix and everything, they're everywhere. Um, but it, I found this very interesting because it's not a big known case. It's not, a, you know, now it was featured on First 48. Um, there is a couple. It is in some of the documentaries that you'll find, but, you know, just briefly mm -hmm. brush overs. Um, so it was never really a huge, huge case. Um but this one in particular takes place in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, Shout out to my Kansas City peeps. You'll want to listen. I know, I know. It's very interesting. Um, I love Kansas City. It's a beautiful city. I yeah, mean, I do. We love going the, there. It's one of the prettiest. There are fountains everywhere. You know, it's just the it's, damn roundabouts, though. <laughs> oh, they get me every time. It's the city of fountains. It oh, truly is. Gets me every time. Um, but so we're gonna we're gonna go to Kansas City, Missouri, and we're gonna talk the um, the Blair family. Um, but before we get into Terry Blair himself, who is the actual ser serial killer we're gonna talk about today, um, let's just briefly go over. I say briefly, but there's really nothing briefly about it once you, you hear me go through all this. <laughs> but I briefly want to go over his family history. Um, the whole family was just wow. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Oh, just wait. You'll hear. Yeah, right. Um, so let's start with the mother first. Okay. Um, obviously, the mother, Janice Blair. She was a single mother of 10. Woo. <laughs> 10. 10. Uh, it's That's said not that. Easy, I'm sure. No, no. And it's said that she suffered from mental illness. Um, she only had a ninth grade education. So that's what, 14? Yeah, that's 14. Yeah, 14. 14. Um, and, I mean, she struggled with her illness. She struggled raising 10 kids. They lived um, in extreme poverty. Um, yeah, uh, Prospect. Yeah, in Prospect Kansas. Avenue. Uh, yeah, that, that is definitely uh, lower. Um, it's even lower than middle class. I mean, it's, yeah. it is. It's poverty. Well, and I did, I did kind of do some research on it, um, and it looks like that you know, developers and stuff have kind of started trying to bring it back up. Um, and even if you just kind of Zillow some of the houses, it, it seems like you can tell where they're vamping it up and mm -hmm. where they're not. You, you can know? tell the difference. Yeah, you see houses been... that are still 30000 but now you see houses that are eighty, ninety thousand. 90000 That's awesome. Yeah, so, bringing, hopefully bringing the neighborhood back up. Yeah, I mean, but that's what happens is you get these areas that they literally go downhill. Yep. And then they come in and they vamp it back up to all this shit that nobody can ever afford. Then they push the rest of the people out that are there. Yep. It's a vicious cycle and it seems like what's going on there. Um, but we're going to go all the way back to Prospect Avenue in 1978. So okay. We're talking very, very um, wasn't poverty stricken. I was going to say, yeah, and like crack cocaine was huge. Oh, yeah. 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 Ran, ran with drugs and just violence. Um, his mother, though, again, she was raising 10 kids, not very well educated, and definitely is 
known for suffering mental illness. Um, she shot and killed her drug dealing boyfriend, Elton Gray, outside of their home. Okay. Um, now, Blair was 17 at the time, I think it said, right? Yes. Terry was 17 at the time that that happened. Okay. So, I mean, 17, I'm thinking living where they lived, that was probably, he was probably pretty much an adult. I mean, yeah, and it, like you know, on his own. From what I see, I don't, I didn't read anything though that he had any juvenile issues. Really? Okay. I mean, it's not talked about from the... No, I, I did watch one that it said, you know, I mean, yeah, they they would steal, you know, they did some for clothes, shoes, anything they wanted, you know, that they would steal. I did I did hear him talk in an interview saying that. Okay, okay. That, you know, yeah, they definitely, if they wanted something, they, they went and stole it or so. Okay. Um, so she had shot and killed her boyfriend outside of their home, um, but due to her mental illness, she entered the an Alford plea. Okay. Um, an Alford plea, basically, for anybody who doesn't know, I myself had to look it up as well. Um, the defendant in a criminal case does not admit to the criminal act, but they admit that the evidence presented would be likely to persuade a judge or a jury to, define, to find the defendant guilty beyond reasonable doubt. So basically, she didn't admit to the crime, but she's saying the evidence they have to me against me is going to prove that I'm guilty. But I'm not going to say I'm guilty. Okay. So it's not admitting it, but it's it's accepting a guilty. Yes. It's okay. accepting a guilty plea, basically. Okay. Um, but due to her mental health, she was given five years probation and she was ordered to do psychiatric care. So Interesting. As okay. we've talked in our previous episodes... Everybody always falls back to the mental, which, I mean, it's very real. But in her case, 14, uneducated, 10 kids, mm -hmm. living in poverty. You know, I mean, yeah. mental illness that everyone was aware of. Yeah. So it makes you think, I mean, I don't know. And it's, it, it's not really said a whole lot more whether she completed the probation or whether all of that went through. I didn't see anything on that. Well, with what's coming next, we just kind of... <laughs> We're just going to keep on going down the line. We're going to go to his brother, Walter Jr. Um, he was locked up as a juvenile on and off. Sounds like he had a pretty bad juvenile history. A lot of it's sealed, obviously, because he was a juvenile. Um, but it's said that when he was there, a man offered him $2,000 to get rid of a woman who was making rape accusations and uh, was set to testify against him. Oh, okay. So, he was released on... Walter was released on July 16th of 1979. Um, the man now offered him $6,000 for the hit. Oh. Um, so, he was released in July. July 16th, actually. And then on August 16th of 1979, he followed through and he killed Kathleen, Catherine Jo Allen, um, which is the woman that he was hired to kill. Wow. Um, he, so he's a, okay, hired head. Yeah. He he took the, but you also got to think he's. Fresh out of prison. Yeah. And he's. $6,000. I think he was, he was young. He was yeah. a juvenile still. Yep. Um, Just bad, bad decision making skills. Their, yeah. Their yeah, brain he, is not developed to me. He um, struck her in the head with a brick. She suffered a gunshot wound to her head, her chest, her wrists, all at close range. Um, he was sentenced to death. And he was actually executed on July 21st of 1993. Wow, okay. So, 
It's crazy though, because if you look at the timeline, 1979 is when this happened. He was executed in 1993. That's a That's long That's a long time. gap. Yeah. <laughs> but That's that shows how long they're staying on death row. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah. Moving on to another brother, um, 1992, the half-brother of Terry Blair was convicted in the abduction of a woman from a bar. Um, she was shot in the arm, taken to an abandoned house where he raped and repeatedly beat her until she passed out. Um, she suffered a fractured skull, gunshot wound, broken jaw, cheekbones, she did, however, survive. Um, Two months in the hospital, it said. Yeah, she spent quite, yeah. a, quite a bit of time in the hospital on this recovery. Um, he was given two life sentences for that. The husband was? The, the brother. The brother. The brother. Okay. Yeah, the brother. Uh, moving right along. So now we, we've got mother, uh -huh. brother, uh -huh. half-brother. Uh-huh. Now we're moving on to sister. Okay. Well, it's a all-in-the-family <laughs> type of thing. Family affair. Sister, uh, Wernita, there's not a whole lot of info on her okay. um, as far as like what actually she was convicted or she wasn't convicted, but it is said that she faced charges for stabbing a man to death with her husband. Mm -hmm. So her and her husband, I don't know if he took the fall or what, but it said she was involved in the stab stabbing of a man to death. Um, and then she was also jailed for suffocating her crackhead boyfriend. Lovely. <laughs> but so again, like I said. a two-time murderer? Two times. Two times. Yeah. Okay. But it sounds like possibly never convicted. If she was, there's not a whole lot of info on not it. Not on the first one. On the second one, she was. The drug dealer boyfriend? No, it's not said if he survived or not. Wow. She was, she was arrested for stuff like for suffocating him okay. but it's not said if he died or if, okay. you know it was just like oh he i was thinking she's just like her mama killed the drug dealer boyfriend <laughs> i mean it wouldn't surprise me with this family right um but now we move on to her sons yes her sons um i have her one son diamond blair um he is the fifth convicted murderer of the family wow um it says he was a very troubled juvenile. His rap sheet from like the ages of 12 to 16 was just insane. He was eventually charged as an adult for one of his crimes. Um, and he ended up serving 18 years for it. His crime was murder though? Not yet. Oh. This was for rape, sodomy. Oh my goodness. Um, so he's, and he was charged as an adult. So he served 18 years for that crime. When he was released... Those 18 years. He served those 18 years and was released. That's, yeah. He went right back to crime. Well, I was going to um, say, that's common. The other brother was jailed, got out, took the money to, for the hit. Mm -hmm. So they'll serve their time. They're not worried about <laughs> that, are they? Um, but it said in June of 2009, um, he committed murder, and he is currently serving two life sentences plus 100 years um, at Jeff City. Wow. He yeah. had a lot. So it was uh, murder and, I believe, robbery. Okay. Yeah, so. Wow. Yeah. That's a hell of a family history. Yeah, so we got mother, mm -hmm. brother, brother, sister, nephew, nephew, 
other nephew. Yep. You said there was another yeah, one. Yeah, the, the article I read said that she had two sons that both grew up and went on to be murderers. Very interesting. Um, that's a lot. So, yeah. Where, that's a how whole, many? Okay, that would mother, be brother, brother, seven. Sister, nephew. 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 So, six. So, oh, six. Okay. And then now we lead into him. So, yeah. Seven in the family. So, seven. Yeah. In one family. <laughs> so, that leads us into uh, Mr. Terry Blair. He was born September 16th, 1961. Watch them Virgos. Oh, Lordy. Love you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Terry was the fourth eldest of ten children. So, he was in the mix. Um, again, we talked about, you know, his childhood. It was, you know, not the best. His mother was mental illnesses, poverty, blah, blah, blah. That leads us into, so let's see, 1961, he was born. 1982, so what are we talking about? He was 20? 19. Yeah, 1920. Like yeah. So 1982, he um, killed his... Hold on, hold on. Okay. Let's, let's, let's take it back a step. All right. So at 19, he's already got two kids. He has two sons by 19. Okay. Okay, so I'm sure that, you know, is a product of the environment also. That's pretty young for two kids. I mean, right. let's be real. Okay. So, 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 yeah, so he's got two kids with Angela Monroe. Correct. Okay, so that's where she comes in. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. I'm on track now. Um, he, <laughs> she was pregnant with the third. Mm -hmm. um, and he murdered her. He murdered her because he was angry at her for performing acts of prostitution. He was sentenced to 25 years of imprisonment for that murder and was released on parole after serving 21 of those years. Okay, so two things that I, I came across. There's questions as if the as to if the baby that she was pregnant with was his. He's claiming he didn't know she was pregnant, it wasn't his. Especially being that she was doing sexual, you know, prostitution. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't know if it was his baby. But what I found was very interesting was he said he didn't know that she was pregnant. She was seven months pregnant. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess a lot of people don't show, but by seven months. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I think he probably definitely knew, which I think is probably what made him snap is he has suspected her of prostitution, she's pregnant, and... The other babies were already taken away. They yeah. were they were put in custody, is the, what the letter said that he got. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, th like you said, there's no, there's definitely no way that he probably didn't know. He definitely knew that she was pregnant. Seven months, I mean, yeah. I'm sure. But now what I find interesting is, why do we not hear nothing about... The baby. The baby. I know. I wonder if it has so, to do with the laws of when it happened. Because you're talking in 1982. Yeah. This is you true. know, I wonder if there was a law change. That's another thing to uh, take away, you know. Yeah, Maybe definitely. find out the date that that changed when they could start counting that as another murder. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so w we start there with the first murder. Um he he did his 25 well he was sentenced to 25 he served 21 um he was then released um so he was what 42 yeah yeah yep 42 yeah. so still 
I mean, still a young guy, but already served 20 years for murder. Yeah, and we're talking at this point now, it's 2000? 2003. Yeah. yeah, 2003. Yep. Yeah, so throughout that throughout that summer he of him being released and everything, summer of 2020, or I'm sorry, 2004. We ain't 24 yet. <laughs> um, he stayed with his mother who lived um, on Prospect. And he also stayed with his sister who, you know, he bounced around, who lived on a street called West Bluff, which wasn't very far from Prospect. Okay. They were fairly close. Um, but it's said that the, the man living above his mother often let prostitutes eat, sleep, shower um, in his apartment. So I don't know if... Was he a John or was he just being nice? I don't know. It doesn't say. No, it definitely it doesn't be say a John, that. right? What, I guess a pimp? Because the John yeah. is who they go to. Right, yeah. Yeah, so... Do you I mean, know? you're talking... This is 82. It very well could have been. It could have been, yeah. I mean, no doubt. But, you know, you got to think, he he has this vendetta with prostitutes. Oh, absolutely. Like, he murdered his wife because he thought she was being a prostitute. Absolutely. Now, this guy over here is basically, he has full access now to any prostitute coming in and out. Coming and going, yeah. You know, so he's got this vendetta, and that's where this all unfolds, is he chose to murder women that were prostitutes. Okay. He wasn't a, and that's one thing with serial killers, is there's usually a pattern. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that seemed to be his pattern. Now, I don't know here if I want to, do we want to go directly into reading out <laughs> now guys there's six of these six women well, well that we know that of. we know of um do we want to go on about reading them or do we want to jump into the calls um let's go ahead and because the way the bodies were found in the calls it's hard to know exactly which one coordinates um, I say go ahead and do the victims, okay. like read through the list, and then we can read some of the calls. Okay, we can definitely do that. Um, okay, so we started with his, was it his wife? Were they married? Uh, I don't recall it saying if they were married. Um, but we started with Angela Monroe, the mother of his children, um, where again, he served 21 years. He was released in 2003 at the age of 42, where he was paroled. Um, but this is where his reign of terror for prostitutes kind of takes, starts taking place. Um, and in, let's see, July of 2004, okay, there was a body of a prostitute, Anna Ewing. She was 42 years old. She was found, but they, at the time, the medical examiner ruled it the death to be an accidental cocaine overdose. Okay. Um, but... It's later re-examined because um, he confesses. He does confess. He does okay. eventually confess. Um, but her, her body was found by a man spraying weeds behind a vacant apartment. Um, and it was ruled as an um, accidental overdose of cocaine by the medical examiner. But upon closer examination and a confession, her death was ruled as a, a homicide. Okay. Um, so now we're going... The next month, in August of 2004, 45-year-old Patricia Wilson Butler was murdered. Her body was dumped in an old abandoned garage. Okay. 
So you're talking behind buildings now, one in a garage. So do we know if it's like he's killing them in that area or is he dumping? Do we know any of that? Well, this this third and fourth one is where it gets a little, a little kind of, I wouldn't say tricky, but kind of where the pattern starts to develop. Okay. Because you got the wife who the first time was, you know, a, a maybe an Isolated. angry kill. Yeah, exactly. You know, whatever. And then... The second one, you know, Anna was a prostitute and it was, you know, just another kill. It wasn't very long, you know, after his release. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm having nothing but uh Well, for all we minds. know, it could have been he got released and she was a prostitute and he hooked up. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. But in my mind, like maybe he hooked up with her and then something snapped again. Yeah. Like, I'm you thinking, know. you know, the criminal minds, the victim profiling that they do and stuff. I mean, this is obvious. Yeah. He has his type now. Mm -hmm. He has what, how he likes to kill. Yeah. And this, the third and fourth ones here are where it kind of, it seems where a pattern starts to develop. Um, Patricia Wilson was murdered. She was dumped in an abandoned garage. Um, a few weeks later, um, I'm not sure how to say this name. She, Shalila McKenzie. Okay. Uh, was strangled and her neck was broken and her body was dumped on top of butlers oh so they were like stacked yeah so patricia mm. died first and then a couple weeks later um i'm just gonna say her last name i'm sorry guys mckenzie um was dumped on top of her body and Same that's time or different times like Weeks went by. A couple weeks. Yeah, it says a few weeks A few weeks after. So that was his dumping, and he was just yeah. stacking them so up. So at this point, he's oh now created goodness. a pattern. He's now creating, you know, a... I don't know if you'd call it a burial ground, because he's not burying them. Dumping ground, A dumping sure, ground, yeah. right. Um, and this is where the calls come in. So now we're at four, right? So his now, girlfriend, yes. single one, and then double. So yes. we're at four. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we're at four, and on September 2nd, um, police had been notified of like a foul odor coming from a vacant garage and they did find the, uh, the bodies. So naturally, you know, they find the bodies and now everything's being released into the media mm -hmm. and this is where the calls come into play. Um, but it's not over yet. Okay. So, so you're saying calls. Yes. So I'm going to finish reading the victims because this is consecutive at this point. Okay. So September 2nd is when the bodies were found. Okay. September 3rd, the body of 40-year-old Cameron Hunt was found behind a different vacant house. Wow. Um, so now, mind you, the, on the 2nd, the bodies were found at his original dumping ground. Exactly. So now here we are on the 3rd, and he's... Basically found a different dumping ground. His well, yeah, first one got found yeah, his exactly. first one got found, so now he has a different one. Um, and this is where a tipster called in to nine one one to tell them where to find the this next body. Um, How does the tipster know? Well, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, we got hey. one more. We got one more. So on September fourth, the body of a prostitute, Claudette Janelle, thirty one was found in the woods near an abandoned building. The same day, the body of 25-year-old Darcy Wilson, Wilson oh, Williams is found in an alley. Okay, so what, what are we at? What's that count now? That's six, technically seven. With the girlfriend, okay. Yes, that's including the girlfriend. Okay. Um, 
That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. He's only been out of prison a couple months. And at this point, they're... Not even a year. They're happening consecutively. Like, days. Day. day. Next day. Next day. Next day. Um, bodies are just popping up. So, this is where the calls come in. Now we're going to talk about them. Um... On September 3rd of 2004, an unidentified male made a 911 call from a deactivated cell phone. Um, oh, because they can still make 911 even if the phone doesn't work. Correct. Because it's an emergency call. Yes. Um, he called to report a dead body at the 20, at 29th and Park. Um, and this would later be identified as Cameron Hunt, which was technically the, the fifth victim. Okay. So they found the third and fourth, mm -hmm. and that's when everything got released to the news. Well, now he's calling in the fifth body and saying, well, hey, here's this body. Um, he told him where, you know, the caller told him the body was in the backyard, in the corner. Um, when he was at, when they were asked, how did they know the body was there? He said, the caller said, I put it there. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's how he called a tip in. You know, hey. The caller refused to identify himself. Um, when he was asked a second time how he knew the body was there, the man stated, because I put the two on 25th and Montagle, and I put that there. Oh, wow. So he told him he put all the two they just found in yes. this one. So now at this point, he's telling them, the two bodies you just found yesterday... I put them there. So he wants notoriety. Yeah. He wants them to know. He's wanting them to know, like, I put these bodies uh -huh. there. Um, and then he again goes to tell them that there was another body on 29th and Park on a backyard of an abandoned house, all the way by the fence where he buried it under tree branches and has been there for about two months. Um, he said he didn't know the victim's name, but he knew she was a prostitute. Wow. Maybe he felt he needed to tell someone. Maybe he needed to get it off his chest. I don't know. But, but he was still doing it. The very so next day, the, yeah. the same unidentified man called using the same cell phone to call 911. And he told them that he had called the day before to report bodies. And that he was calling again to report two more bodies. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> The caller stated that the body was at 24th and Prospect in the alley. Now, this is where Darcy comes in. Okay. Because I wasn't sure where she played in because she's she wasn't actually named as like a seventh murder, okay. which is what was weird to me. Um, but he called and said she was in the, in the alley covered in black vinyl, and she would later be identified as Darcy Williams. Um, he stated the other body was at 27th and Olive covered with brush and pillows. And, Man. Yes. And that would be identified as Claudette Janelle. Um, he stated they were all prostitutes and he killed them because they were scum and a disgrace. Mm. He refused to give his name, but he told the bitch... The bitch? <laughs> the My bitch. bad. <laughs> that one just came out. <laughs> but he, t he told the dispatcher that the... <laughs> Yeah. Oh Lord. He told the dispatcher the body at 27th and Aleph had been there for about six weeks. And the one on Prospect had only been there a week. So I don't know where he was keeping these people before he freaking Or were they just sitting there like deteriorating, you know, and no one found them. I don't know. But how I mean, you're talking this we're at a lot of bodies now. 
you, you know, you would think people are starting to be a little more aware. I'm sure the word is out that these prostitutes are missing. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, he literally told the dispatcher, like, I don't know these, I don't know these names, but I'm killing them because they're prostitutes. Like literally that's what he told. Wow. Um, he went on to tell them that the... He told the bitch, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what he told dispatch. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, I don't know where that came from. Um... Yeah, see, I'm sorry, guys, my brain. <laughs> anyway, um, so we go back to the cell phone that he's using. Again, it's not, there's no SIM card, there's nothing like that. Um, the telephone had been stolen from a maintenance company um, that I guess he had just found along the road. Um, there was no SIM card, all phones. They do have the feature that you can still dial 911. Yeah, like you said, absolutely. You know, they still can dial 911. Um, and they can see that no other calls were attempted to be made because it's not possible to make any other calls from that. Um, but at this time, we are able to still ping. They can still mm. see. Well, yeah, it's 911 call. I mean, yeah, they can think. see where it's coming from. Um, so naturally, they get you know a, a cell phone and they start doing test calls. And it pings from a tower near his mother's apartment. Mm. It pings near his sister's duplex. Um, so all these calls are originating from areas that he's known to be to, in. To be in, yeah. yeah. Um, they show that the call on or August thirtieth, hung, the hung up call, and on September fourth, both calls originated on a tower located right next to his sister's duplex. So it was so, when he was staying there. Yeah. yeah. He, these calls yep. were being made directly from where he was. Yep. Um, it's also said that you can hear children playing in a, um, a train horn in the background of one of the 911 calls. And there was two playgrounds and um, a train just behind her residence. So, yeah, I mean. So at this point, they've kind of. Narrowed it down narrowed where it down. he is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. There's kids just playing right where he is. Mm-hmm. On September 6th, a Cherry Chadbourne flagged down police and told them that Terry had told her he was going to kill all prostitutes one by one because they were the scum of the earth. Mm. Um, earlier that summer, though, he had paid her for sex. <laughs> so Maybe he had a thing with, you know, he didn't like that he was using them or... The fact that he had to. Who but knows? And then you got to get in the mind of a serial killer. Yeah. Which, who knows? You know, and it's like, okay, so he's doing the... But if you watch a lot of these things, they do these things with they, the victims, but then they kill him because they're angry at... The fact that they The do, fact that they did That it. they do it. Yeah. It makes no fucking sense. Um, but basically, this, this lady feared for her life. So she told them, like, this is who he is... Um, he, you know, that he had admitted to her for killing his, his wife originally because she was a prostitute. Um, they, they did put his picture on the newscast as a person of interest. Um, he was arrested and. He was arrested on a parole violation. Yes. Right. Well, it says when the petitioner, when, when he left her house, she called the police and, oh, and he hid in the garage. Okay, so he must have met up with her, and she was trying to, I guess, set him up, and he ran off. 
Um, they found him between the rear of a car and the back of the garage. Um, he was arrested, re received his Miranda warnings, and agreed to talk to the police. Um, he was shown pictures of five of the victims. He denied having contact with any of them or being at any of the locations where the bodies were found. <coughs> he also denied that he made any of the 911 calls. Um, he says that he was at his mother's house to help her move out of his apartment and stayed with his sister. Um, that would make in, sense. That's where that's where the pants yeah, so were. So he's trying to like put himself in you know in the place where they're saying all this is happening, but they already know. It's already, yeah, they already we know. we know exactly <laughs> where you are. So he's basically just reaching for straws, trying to figure out. Um, Which it doesn't sound like he had any problem admitting what he did. Well, okay, so and then we got to think this all happened in September. Okay. Is when all these bodies and everything were found. He was arrested on October 15th of 2004. He was charged with eight counts of first degree murder, one count of first degree murder assault, and three counts of uh, forcible, forcible rape. Okay. Um, so he, now when we hear all this, you think, okay, well, we're talking Missouri, we're right. a death penalty state. Death, yep. So how the hell is he not? Did he not get the not He get didn't death get the death penalty? He did not get the death penalty. He avoided the death penalty by agreeing to waive his rights to a jury trial. On March 27, 2008, Jackson County Circuit Court judge found Terry Blair guilty in the death of six women whose bodies were found on Prospect Avenue in 2003 and 2004. Um, the only possible sentence is life without parole on each charge. So he got six. So, Yes. Six life, no parole. Yes. So he is he's currently facing six um six life sentences in um Potosi. In Potosi, yep. Yep, in Potosi. Yep. Um and oh gosh, how old would that make him now? Oh, now you want me to do math I know. again. <laughs> I can't do the math. But um we do have, like I said, we have some pretty good resources. Um and it's said that now he's very, he's super polite. Um, he actually, his favorite thing is the orange juice there. Um, which. In the prison? Yeah. <laughs> like he, he says the food is fantastic. Um, I, I, the, the source that we have talked to basically said he, I mean, he's actually very, like just timid and he enjoys it there. Basically is the way it sounds. Well, I'm glad he enjoys it because that's, yeah, that's where his crazy ass needs to stay. That's where he's going to be. Um, but they say he's really calm. He's super laid back. He loves orange juice. Um, the Very prison respectful, food. right? Very yeah. respectful he's to the He's super respectful. Um, yeah. But so I'm going to, I'm trying to go over what Heather has sent me here for her little notes. Because, you know, we got to do our comfy fact. Um... The last one was a really good one. The last the one? The last one. The mindset? Yeah. Okay, so... Because I think this kind of goes with... You want to read it? Yeah. What we were kind of talking about, like, how the mindset, like, it's... How does a serial killer yeah. think? Okay, so it says, um, because of their lack of development, serial killers don't... Inf mm-hmm... Emphasize with their victims, serial killers hunt in a variety of ways, but they never manage to develop an emotional attachment to their victims. 
when an enraged man might kill his wife's lover out of jealousy, serial killers feel no such attachment to victims. So and they just they yeah, just see him as a, the victim. There's no connection. There's no... Well, and I think that's what it... I mean, like I said, with this too, like, he just... He still slept with them as prostitutes, but he felt no human connection with them. He just seen them as the prostitute that they were. Okay, so here's another one. The three signs of a serial killer. A triad links cruelty to animals, obsession with fire setting, and persistent bedwetting past a certain age, or violent behaviors, particularly homicidal behavior, you think, (laughs) and sexual predatory behavior. So if you see any of them, let's hope it ain't the trifecta. Right, yes, yes. Um, one thing I did want, I forgot to say, um, was that there was actually DNA found on the fourth victim. The fourth victim. Yes. Okay. So his DNA was actually found on them. But in, in my opinion, the, by the fourth, the third and fourth victim, he was like, he wanted to be. Yeah. He was bragging about it. He he wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, For sure. But guys. I'm sorry that I was so unorganized today. <laughs> um, I don't know what she's talking about. I still think we did good. I'm, I mean, you know, hey, I did my thing. We did our thing. Always. Um, I'm hoping that Heather's going to be back with us on the next one. Um, or at least soon. <laughs> I, you know, just people think they can just go to Florida and leave us behind. Vacations without us. Uh, not okay. Yeah, no, not okay. And I know every time I really, really want to get on this merchandise stuff that we've been talking about. Um, so we're going to get that in the works. And I promise I'm not going to have a bachelorette party or a wedding on the next one. <laughs> and I'm going to do a much better <laughs> formatting job. So it, we're not all over the place. It was good. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I'm going to go eat my Mexican, drink my margaritas. Not Woo-hoo! that I need any more alcohol from this weekend, um, but I'm going to do it anyway. So they probably don't know that that's become the Monday night ritual. <laughs> every other Monday. Every other, well, yes, every other Monday. Every other Monday is Margarita Monday. Yes. And I'm with it. I'm here for it. Every Monday? <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe every Monday. Every. Um, so we're going to leave you guys with, you know, our natural. So everyone just... Stay Stay comfy, comfy. don't Don't get get murdered. murdered.